Welcome back to the next episode of the Expat Investor Podcast. I'm Tom Putris, host for today's show, and it's all about the UK budget. Um, this is really a bit of a special on the UK budget, but really, I'm going to not get into it just yet. Um, I've got Paul Butler who joins me today, and, and later Carla Smart, who, who will join me to talk about the UK budget but Paul, Paul is here to talk about something I touched on last week, which was Credit Swiss. So, Paul, thanks for joining me today. As always, it's great to have you here. Pleasure. Absolute pleasure to be here, Tom. Caffeinated and ready to go? Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> let's go. Good. Um, well, I mean, following on from last week's um, podcast, I think if you were playing a drinking game and had to drink every time I said the word bank, it probably wouldn't have ended very well for anybody. But... I'm yeah, going to carry that theme on. I didn't, I didn't on. do that, by the way, so okay. thank goodness. Because, All right, yes. well, that's the main thing. At least it's not turned <laughs> into that yet. Um, over the weekend, you know, last week I touched on Credit Suisse and the troubles that they were having. Um, but over the weekend, we saw, I say we saw UBS agree. UBS agreed to acquire um, Credit Suisse. Unbelievable. Never Unbelievable. thought I'd see that. Um, mm. But... Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's basically something that was ultimately orchestrated by the Swiss National, the Swiss Central Bank, sorry, and the regulators to ensure the stability of the Swiss banking system. Dare I say it, the credibility of the Swiss banking system. Mm. Um, and I think there was immediate concerns that, um, you know, there could be some repeat uh, of what we saw in the US with SVB and runs on banks. And, mm. and I think, you know, they, they had to act in this way because, or partly because, I mean, it was a big problem for a start, right? But um, equally, um, the US seemed to act so quickly to, you know, make sure and that everything was okay and reassure everybody in the world that everything was fine that yeah. uh, if uh, the Swiss regulators and Swiss Central Bank didn't do what they said they were going to do, then, uh, you know, I think there would be some big questions to be answered, really. I think it's fair to say UBS has managed to acquire a lot of bank for a little bit of money, um, closing the deal at uh, just over, I think, $3.25 billion or, or yeah. 70 Swiss, sorry, Point say seventy. I wish. I think Credit Suisse investors wish it was seventy. Point <laughs> seven six francs per share. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's it's just it's crazy. So to give listeners some idea of the discount that we're talking about here, Credit Suisse closed last Friday. Their share price closed last Friday at one franc eighty six. Not 0.76, one franc 86 per yeah. share. So that means investors of Credit Suisse will be pretty disappointed to see the value fall in excess of 50% over the weekend. Yeah. It valued the business was valued as per the market price mm -hmm. of something like eight billion um, with that share price. Mm -hmm. um, and for UBS. To, to get it a snip of that uh, is um, certainly something that uh, UBS shareholders have welcomed uh, for sure. Um, and you've seen that, 
you know, their their their, their share price, UBS share price jumped about fifteen percent as of Wednesday morning. Right. Yeah. So, uh, and you know, over the last five days, that's what we've seen. So, it's yeah, it's a pretty big thing. To be fair. I spoke uh, I spoke last week about this not necessarily being the same trouble as some of the US banks have faced in the yeah. last couple of weeks. Um, yeah. And I touched on a few bits and pieces, but, you know, we've got to bear in mind that Credit Suisse is an institution that's been around for 167 years. Right. That's um, a pretty long time, isn't it? It's 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 it is a long, long time. And. You know, I think it's older than older than some countries have been around. Yeah. Um, but just Paul, just so listeners again understand that this isn't necessarily the same as SVB, where there's been a mismatch of assets purchased yeah. by the bank and a liquidity problem, but it's more geared towards that. Like I said last week, just that reputation and brand uh demolition over over an extended period of time just give us an idea of what's happened just in the last two years for example to give <laughs> listeners some indication of what's been going on at credit Suisse. right let me just take a bit of a deep breath here okay <laughs> okay well okay early 2020 the current the, the then ceo quit after a spying scandal. Okay. Um, no need to go into too much detail about that. But the the sell-off in Credit Suisse shares began again in 2021, uh, triggered by losses with the collapse of uh, investment fund Archegos and Greensill Capital. Right. Um, they must have been seriously big investments for their bit to, to, to trigger a sell-off. Um, you know, so not the best decisions being made by the investment team there. Um, January 22, Antonio Horta Osorio, excuse my terrible accent, mm. <laughs> resigned as chairman for breaching COVID-19 rules right, just yes. eight months after he was hired to fix the ailing bank. Um, then we moved to July. New CEO uh, and restructuring expert Ulrich Kerner. Uh, unveiled a new strategic review, uh, but failed to win over investors. And an unsubstantiated rumour and an impending failure of the bank in the autumn sent customers fleeing. Uh, then in February, Credit Suisse confirmed that clients had pulled 110 billion Swiss francs. That's $119 <laughs> billion dollars, uh, of right. funds in the fourth quarter. Wow. Uh, so just in Q4 last I think, year, and again, like you know that 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 just there yeah. is probably actually um, a credit to Credit Suisse mm. of the stability of their bank yeah. if they can afford for 110 billion Swiss francs to walk out the door and and right? still not fall over. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, I think I think I think the next words out of your mouth was to to, to go on to talk about the losses that they that they have substantiated as a result of some of these withdrawals but yep yeah i mean that's that stood at seven just under 7.3 billion swiss francs uh you know an annual loss. it's the biggest loss since the financial crisis yeah. um you know then we've got uh 
the revelation that in December 22, Credit Suisse had tapped investors for 4 billion Swiss francs mm. just to shore things up. And then um, the, 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 one of the major sort of backers of Credit Suisse, the Saudi National Bank, mm. um, uh, broke the confidence that, you know, last Wednesday said, you know, we, we, we can't give you any more money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, and and on on the on the basis that it was constrained by regulatory hurdles, right. uh, but ultimately, I think that's saying, you know, it wasn't too happy. And mm-hmm. um, whilst we're happy with the turnaround plan that's in place, we ain't going to give you any more money until we see that working. Yeah. Um, and then we're in free fall, right? By the close mm-hmm. of the last week, Credit Suisse had lost seventy five percent of its value over the last 12 months, let alone what it's lost um, prior to that. Um, And, you know, this is all bearing in mind, basically, that the stock price never really recovered from the financial crisis in 2008. Yeah, I mean, if I look back and we look at the graphs and everything like that, yeah, I think I think Credit Suisse's stock price around the the financial crisis was around, I don't know, 60 odd, 70 odd Swiss francs. And kind of yeah. through 2008, 2009, it tumbled all the way down to the mid-teens and it's been bouncing around ever since then, right up until, you know, I think the start of last year, really, when yeah. or when the the investment funds that they'd, with Greensill and Archeagos, that, that they started to, to tumble again. So, it, like I said, it's this is very much a different scenario and it's it's a, it's a decade's worth of, problems that have amounted to where they are now and it is very much the fact that investors have lost confidence in Credit Suisse's ability to manage a business to move forward Um, and when that happens you know it's not unusual when businesses run into operational trouble or can't be profitable you know they're either acquired or 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 worst case scenario that they go out of business but like I said earlier I think UBS have picked up a lot of bank here and, and let's not forget they've also picked up a lot of liabilities with it as well and i think yeah when you look yeah. at i think ubs's cost to insure deposits etc you know has been this week has reached the highest it's been for a very long time i think it's up to about 168 dollars to, to insure about ten thousand dollars worth of liabilities but it's um that's kind of the scary side of it and then that's what I think it's now got to happen. I mean, what what does happen next for for, for Credit Suisse? Well, um, I mean, so what happens next? I mean, so firstly, you've got the existing Credit Suisse shareholders, mm. okay, and you know this is a sh- effectively a, a a share swap. Um, right. So you give me some of your Credit Suisse shares and I'll give you some of my UBS shares. Right. Okay, so you now become a shareholder in UBS, uh, but for one UBS share, you've got to give me 20, just under 22 and a half Credit Suisse shares. Right, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Which, um, you know, is pretty depressing if you've been a long-term shareholder of Credit Suisse, that's for sure. you know, uh, and and the other thing I think, you know, the the and this is partly sort of switching uh, central bank and and so on and so forth. There's there's no shareholder vote, no shareholder approval is going to be taking place. It's mm-hmm. just happening. 
which again is pretty unusual. Um, and it's all expected to be said and done by the end of the year, i.e. 2023. Uh, then, you know, you've got this hugely complex task of combining two systemically important global banks, right? So, yeah. you know, your chief executive, Ralph Hamers and chairman, Colum Kellyer, um, it's a huge task. You know, they've got to combine these two, these two behemoths of banks, which, you know, is a huge challenge because there's substantial overlaps between the two businesses. And, you know, there's also many legal difficulties that have dogged the the accident prone rival, which is called Credit Suisse. Right? Yeah, no, and that, um, that's that's a point in its own, isn't it? I mean, hmm. it, it's as from a business point of view now, you, the leaders of, of UBS have got to work a way of, OK, well, we've been competing with this other bank for so long. And, you know, now we've seen it in our financial planning world and, 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 and acquisitions that have gone through and it's kind of, you know, it, you have to work out well what do you what's the good bits from both what yep. do you keep what do you cut there's yep. going to be people in the marketplace who are customers of both either UBS and Credit Suisse either in in their own right or maybe accounts with both and and potentially I don't say it over time and it's not going to be today or tomorrow but over the next couple of years certain products will be withdrawn from the market certain accounts will be moved certain accounts yeah. will be withdrawn you know yeah. you're going to end up with this blended um what they believe best of both worlds offers the the swiss and global you know whatever wherever those businesses sit around the world whatever they believe is best for that market i guess yeah yeah i, I mean you know on that i mean it's quite interesting that um you know the uh this the 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 Swiss authorities, you know, they've granted a competition waiver. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, they, they I mean, would have had to, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, this, a, is, this isn't um, what we would call a uh, out to tender bid after takeover. Um, but yeah, just to be done so quickly without any of this in consideration is is to a degree somewhat mind blowing. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, this business is now going to manage somewhere in the region of five trillion dollars wow. in invested assets you know and that's to put that into context that's more than rival u.s banks with wealth management arms like morgan stanley uh for example and it's mm. putting it in the leagues of you know blackrock and vanguard well that's a which, completely different league as well isn't it let's be very yeah. clear when it comes to investments and i think you know these two businesses whilst they're you know whilst they're lenders whilst they're banks whilst they're investment management companies that, that they are these ubs and credit Suisse, that they are a bit of everything they're not just a one one-stop no. shop or, or one trick pony shall i say um no. but entering that realm and surpassing the likes of morgan stanley and entering the realm of blackrock and and, and vanguard who really do run the world when it comes to trillions right um yeah yeah this yeah, is yeah. going to be a very different entity come the end of this merger hugely hugely different um you know uh and it, i mean ubs has done a deal of a lifetime 
it's mm. it's uh it's, there's no question about that you know um what was it founder of an investment company algebris uh david uh, david sarah sorry um mm. he noted that ubs's net asset value rose 70 percent with the credit suisse buy um which you know that can only be really really positive for shareholders of ubs yeah. that's for yeah. sure um you know will it in the long run be positive for, for credit suisse uh current credit suisse shareholders probably but you know time will tell but you know the fact is they've got some uh you know serious um assets there and you know the swiss authorities as well as you know granting a competition waiver they've made a hundred billion dollars liquidity credit line available uh, a backstop of more than nine billion dollars on certain assets okay and you know they're not requiring ubs to add more capital for quite some time either right. you know um so it's it, like i say you know ubs have had a bit of a result i think mm. as a as a business and certainly the shareholders have as well mm. but you know it's a mega merger right <laughs> um and it is like the the first among a set of sort of 30 global banks that regulators sort of designate as systemically important for their yeah. size yeah. and interconnectedness right so yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, this is this is you know this is very very big news mm. um i think i'll go back to what you said at the start i think it is impressive at the moment about the lessons that certainly have been taken from previous crisis you know like 2008 and and even the tech bubble and whatever crisis you want to look at over the history yeah it's nice to see that lessons have been learned and that regulators and central banks and um feds are not afraid to step in and use some of their tools and, and actually think about things but have the ability to act quickly you know some of the stuff you've said about you know uh, providing liquidity lines and, and backstop on some assets or um you know not necessarily enforcing the requirement for more capital etc you know they're all things that it's good to see that can be done um but yeah, Paul, I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of saying we're not going to go there again I. exactly we're not going to go back to 2000 and, and, and they're really looking what, what's happening as a result of it is that they're really looking after the consumer right mm. um mm. and it's being done to protect the consumer um and, and, and on the topic of consumers you know well you've been a, a financial planner in this region in the, the middle east for over a decade yeah there's no doubt that clients have probably been on the phone to you this week uh, um, yeah. asking you what's been going on and should I be worried about this merger and what happened to Credit Suisse? How does it affect me? Yeah. How how have those, how have clients been reacting? How have they been towards you and kind of what's been your message? Um, well, it's, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because, you know, this is a, this is a big thing and it's happened at the same time as, uh, you know, SVB and and a few others sort of falling by the wayside mm -hmm. um, in in the US um, and you know there's no question that in our portfolios there were going to be uh, bank holdings which you know have taken a taken a bit of a battering in 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 the markets over the last week or two right there's no no question about that um, 
However, what is it? What what does it really mean for us? Um, at the moment, I think you know, and and as as with anything, really, I think it's it's a it's a situation where could this be? This is just something that's is this just something that's happened? And you know, next week it'll be last week's news. Um, uh, you know, as long as everything seems to be doing the right thing, then I think we don't have to worry too much because unlike the SVBs and the, the first signature and, and all that that, 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 mm. that fell by the wayside, they fell by the wayside because they ran out of money. Mm. Um, these guys haven't run out of money. They just made a bit of a hash of how to run one of the yeah. largest banks and, you know, arguably the most one of the most recognised brands in the banking industry. Mm. Um, and they've made a bit of a mess of it, to be honest. And, and you know, the, the way it's been managed, arguably, is it, it you know, needs some needs some 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 serious uh, analysis. Right. And, 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 and this is why we've got recovery plans and everything else in place. Um, so, you know, ultimately, when it comes to clients themselves and their portfolios, are they in the right places to benefit from whatever's going on in the world? Are they suitably diversified? Are they, you know, in, in, in a place where we're, we're, there are things we can't control, and this is certainly one of them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, are we in a space where we are working within their risk tolerances? Are we working with you know, in a, in a space where we are doing the best we can to get the best possible outcomes for their situation. Yeah. If that's a yes, then then absolutely. If we need to change things as a result of things like this, mm. you know, ultimately, you know, bank holdings within portfolios are pretty pretty small mm. um, anyway. Um, so, you know, the the, the overall impact isn't going to be, you know, too 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 great. Mm. Um, because we, we generally are looking at the sort of long term anyway. And, you know, by the time it, clients get to the point where they might need to start drawing money down or anything like that, then it's not a problem. I mean, ultimately, look, if things get a lot cheaper to buy, then why wouldn't you, if things go on sale, then absolutely get, get more of it. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing I would, one thing I am saying is that, that you know, we are in a, in a bit of a situation where um, I think the easiest way I can describe it is, let's say you own a house that you rent, mm. okay? Um, and I'm getting my rent each year, which is fine, but I've got negative equity in my house. So I bought it for $200,000 mm. or whatever it might be, pounds, whatever, and it's now worth 150. Mm. Um, you know, that isn't a problem unless no. i need to sell the house yeah right and that's exactly where the bonds market is right now and this is where there's a lot of jitters in in the in the markets with regards to the banks but swiss credit swiss aren't aren't in that space by the sounds mm. of it they just made a couple of bad investments yes which has you know cost them dearly mm. but they're not in that space um, other banks potentially are. SVB certainly was. First Signature certainly was. You know, so that that's that's you know that that's something that we need to be aware of, um, which could affect bond funds and so on and so forth. But again, we just need to 
make sure that we're in the right sort of bond fund so that you know if interest rates are are continuing to rise which they probably will certainly for for the next few months then we're benefiting from that or we're not in a situation where the, the bonds that we hold are going to be negatively affected by that mm-hmm. so yes we need to be a bit more nimble with 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 our portfolios in it on the on the fringes okay and be prepared to to change them more often than than perhaps we we have done in the past so you know i'm saying to a lot of my larger clients that is really we need to just touch base every quarter that's not to say we're going to change the portfolio every quarter but it means that we just need to you know tick it off and make sure we we're, we're still in the right places and and be prepared to to change it perhaps every six months as opposed to every 12 months. Mm. I think one of the things that has certainly come out is the is the questions about people holding cash and where money yep. is in bank accounts and, mm. and and the conversations that I've certainly had and and the team have had across the, across Skybound I think has very much just been you know well we've always as planners worked on three to six months worth of expenses in cash accounts. Absolutely. And, yeah. Um, look, if if that means that you're having to hold more than eighty thousand pounds in a UK bank account, or a hundred thousand euros in a European bank account, or two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in a in a, a US bank account, um, then you need to you know, consider you know spreading that out across a couple exactly. Of and 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 we talk about those limits because those limits are the amounts that you have insurance on, right? Yeah. Um, any more money that you have in a bank account, this is really important to think about as well for anybody out there is that if you're giving a bank any more money than that insured amount it's effectively a loan to the bank right um because the gold standard in the us has been removed it's it's all it's all digital money these days and banks can print or governments can print as much money as they want so if you if you're giving a bank more than that insured amount it's a loan and with that loan there's a risk Right. And that's what we've yeah. seen. Um, yeah. Now, a little bit different in some cases because US government this week and last week have come out and gone, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it in short amount. We'll back everybody, which begs the question as to what money becomes at that point. But that's a, I think that's a whole different podcast. Um, huh. From our point of view, you know, yeah, three to six time. months expenses. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then what else we do with that is then looking at where money should be allocated for the purposes of the goals that we want to achieve, whether that be short term goals and, and money needs to be attributed to money market funds or um, yeah. whatever it may be, or then it's long term goals. So, you know, it's just about making sure from certainly my point of view and, and Paul, no doubt yours as well, and reiterating this yeah. with clients, it's just making sure that you've got the right things in the right place and they're doing what they should be doing. And we yeah. manage and you're not exposed we can. where you don't need to be. Yeah, exactly. you're not exposed exactly. where you don't need to be. That's exactly right. I mean, you know, because that's the other thing that's that's you know become a uh, a point of discussion is 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 sort of the returns or the interest that you can receive mm-hmm. on say a fixed deposit. Yeah. Okay, um, you know, you, you're seeing five percent plus in certain cases mm-hmm. on on fixed deposits. And you know, in 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 times like this, you you think to yourself, well, isn't that a great idea? But then you've got to be very careful because exactly what you say, Tom, you can't have too much in in a single bank. Exactly. Um, because you know, we just you know, ultimately we don't really know what's 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 around the corner. Um, you know, everybody sort of says, well, oh, I can't Lloyd's can't fall down, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, HSBC can't fall down of course they can't you know but 
this what's happened over the last few weeks is just sort of yeah know. i mean i think it's more than anything it's just it's 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 asked people to ask themselves the question right yeah. and 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 that's what we've always said as planners yeah. you know we can only do what we can do with the knowledge that we have today and the information that's on the table and we can only make uh or we can only advise and we can only give information for people to make educated decisions so right. um yeah look um i'm going to wrap it up there paul we've got carla yeah. on next it's always yeah. good to have you on the podcast mate i think Absolutely. hopefully we all know a little little bit more about ubs and and credit swiss now um uh, so thanks for joining that, me i hope that's been a value and some uh, and and some interesting insights there but uh yeah thanks tom once again Definitely and uh, yeah look forward to cheers paul we'll all right okay. thanks, thanks mate Okay, um, I turn my attention now to what this podcast was supposed to be about, which is the UK budget announced last week by Jeremy Hunt. And well, some of the big news from the budget, I guess, have maybe been lost a little bit amongst the noise that's been caused by the banks this week. So I've asked our pension specialist, Carla Smart, um, to once again join me back on the podcast to understand a little bit more about what was put forward and in place from last week's budget. So Carla, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Tom, it's good to be back. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Um, Carla, it's no surprise I've asked you to join me because the budget seemed to be, well, targeting the pension space. I say targeting, actually some pretty big news and, and some very maybe big benefits for anybody with a UK pension and, and contributing to UK pensions. Yes, indeed. I mean, I don't think we've seen such big changes to pensions since Pensions Freedom in 2015. Um, prior to the announcement, the, there was speculation that the lifetime allowance, so the LTA, would be increased. Um, but the decision then came um, in the budget last week that the LTA will be abolished altogether. Wow. Um so the LTA is basically the amount um, or the maximum amount you can draw from pensions in your lifetime without paying extra tax of up to 55%. Um, and from the 6th of April uh, this year, the tax charge will be removed mm -hmm. uh, and the government then plan to legislate to abolish the LTA altogether uh, from 2024. Wow, that is that is big news. But what does it mean for somebody who has a UK pension then? It means that, that people are now able to boost their long-term savings by, by contributing into their pension schemes without having to plan around potential taxes that up until now uh, would have been applied upon drawdown if their mm -hmm. pension pots had reached, reached that LTA limit. Okay. Um, it is important to note, however, that people will now only be able to take 25% um, tax-free cash from their pension, which is subject to the maximum of 268,275, uh, which is 25% of the current LTA. So even if someone had a, had a larger pot than this, their tax-free cash uh, is still limited to 25% of the current LTA. Okay, so there's, there's no change on that tax-free element then? No, no. Okay. Um, now, if we look back over the last 10 years, um, the LTA went down considerably from its peak in 2011 when it was at 1.8 million. Um, it then came down to 1 million 
uh, in 2016. Um, since then, it has crept back up marginally in line with inflation um, and has stayed the same over the last three years. Uh, now, over the years, people have had the opportunity to put uh, protections in place to protect higher LTA limits. Mm -hmm. um, rules for those with enhanced or, or fixed protection are that protection is actually lost if further contributions are paid in or, or benefits accrue. Right. Uh, however, HMRC did clarify last week that as long as the registration for these protections were made prior to the 15th of March this year, uh, then people are effectively allowed to break the protection rules uh, and keep their higher tax-free cash. Ah, clever. Okay, that makes sense. Um, fundamentally then, just a huge benefit for anyone who is concerned or maybe concerned about the future benefits of a UK pension. What, um, here's a question that that's crept up a little bit recently in the last week or so. What do you think has driven the UK government to make this decision? So the main objective here was to encourage people back to work to help grow the economy. Um, wow. The change, changes that they are implementing aim to discourage high earners, particularly in the public sector, from retiring early as they will no longer face potential tax penalties for actually exceeding uh, the allowance. Okay, well, that, that that does make sense. And I believe the UK government have also made an effort to encourage people not just to save more long-term, but save more on an annual basis. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, the maximum amount that individuals can pay into their pensions annually uh, from the 6th of April this year will increase from 40,000 to 60,000. Uh, and as before, that limit is tapered, um, but the income level at which tapering begins has increased from 240,000 to 260,000. Mm. Um, and the tapering is restricted so that a minimum contribution is allowed uh, and that increases from 4,000 to 10,000. In addition to this, um, the money purchase annual allowance has also increased from 4,000 to 10,000 um, per year. So this particular allowance is applied for those that have actually already started drawing down uh, from their pensions. Ah, oh, right. OK. Again, you know, these measures are just clearly there to encourage people to continue to save into their pensions from, for, for the future and, and remain in the workforce, like you've said earlier. Um, to, to ultimately ensure, I guess a lot of it is as well, to ensure that people have adequate pension savings in place for, for future retirement, I guess. Um, so for, for those that are listening today or people that are listening back in, in the future, given this is quite, like you said, this is big changes and probably the biggest we've seen for quite some time. I mean, you know, what was, was there anticipation that the, I guess there wasn't there was that anticipation, like you said, that the LCA was going to be increased. And then the fact that it was it's been abolished all altogether was well, shocking, I guess maybe. Um shocking to some. Um but maybe not as shocking as some of the bank news that we heard, I guess. Um if you're if you're living abroad today, Carla, and you know, this is the expat investor podcast, um and you've got a UK pension. Why are these changes important and, and what should be 
what should somebody be doing about them, if anything at all? So obviously, this is going to be of more relevance to those with with larger pots. Mm. I mean, a pension, it's first and foremost there to provide an income in retirement. Um, So for those people with larger pots, however, um, they may also have other objectives as to how they may want to utilise that pot of money. So um, one of the key changes that was brought in back in 2015 from George Osborne um, was the ability to be able to pass on 100% of a defined contribution pension um, tax-free if the member of that scheme dies before age 75. Mm. Um, after 75, the beneficiary would then be taxed at their marginal rate. Um, so as you can see, pensions can be highly efficient vehicles uh, for inheritance tax purposes. So previously, careful planning had to be considered as to how um, and when people that had accumulated UK pensions that were actually at or or close to the LTA um, should be drawing down from their pension to try to minimise the LTA tax. Now that the LTA limit has gone, uh, people may very well choose to leave their money in their pensions for longer, mm-hmm. uh, allowing the pot to grow outside of their estate uh, for inheritance tax purposes. Um, now, for those living outside of the UK, different tax rules may, of course, apply depending on someone's country of residence. So, as always, um, it is important to ensure that people are receiving appropriate advice, uh, which is uh, relevant to them. Yeah. Now, one consequence of these changes may very well be the the, the demise of, of cure-ups. Mm-hmm. Um, up until now, a key attraction for transferring into a cure-ops was the ability to protect yourself against the LTA um, as a benefit crystallization event occurs mm-hmm. upon transfer to a cure-ops. Now, this basically means that the pension is tested It's measured against the LTA at the point of transfer. Um, Once the money is then in a cure ops, it's free to grow and will not be tested again. Mm. Um, With the government's decision to actually abolish the LTA, there's now very little reason why someone would actually transfer their benefits to a cure ops. I'm just going to jump in there quickly, Carla. Something that often is spoken about, and I apologise for catching on the fly with this one, but do you think that could also be the case for QNUPS, where you've um, got kind of non-qualifying pensions that have previously been used for kind of... No, I don't think it's as relevant to QNUPS mm. because QNUPS is non-pensionable assets. Yeah. Um, so I think there would still be a place for QNUPS okay. um, uh, as opposed to someone who has UK pension assets that is considering whether or not they should be transferring into a, a SIP, for example, for sure. or a QNUPS. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, But just going back to your question, obviously, we talked about um, how this may impact those that are living outside uh, of the UK. Um, Naturally, this news is going to have an even bigger impact for those with relevant UK earnings, um, which also can be of relevance to people outside of the UK that could potentially be thinking about moving back to the UK in the future. Um, and they may 
be considering when they're back in the UK, continuing to contribute, receive tax relief on, on contributions that they make to the schemes. Um, now, it's really a golden opportunity for high earners um, to be able to put money into their pensions. Um, the changes do provide an incentive for those people who have stopped saving into a pension um, due to previously um, hitting the LTA. Mm -hmm. um, and it's also good news for retirees that may be drawing down from their pensions already um, because they now have more scope to make further large con larger contributions um, to their pensions than they, they did previously. Um, there's now no limit as to how big that pension pot can grow to. Mm. Um, so people can now save into their pension pots without having to, to worry about these punitive tax charges that were in place um, before. Um, and I also think we'll start to see a, a decrease uh, in the UK in contributions to things like venture capital trusts um, and enterprise investment schemes. Um, so the government applied tax incentives for both income and inheritance tax um, for people that invest in these in order to try to encourage investments into smaller uh, expanding companies. Mm. Um, if people can put more into their pensions without having to take on that higher degree of risk sure. uh, associated with investing in smaller companies, um, then obviously they're, they're, they're likely to do so. Um, and just one final point, I mean, listeners um, of this podcast may recall back in November um, in the Chancellor's autumn statement, um, he announced that capital gains tax allowances will be reduced um, from April this year and then reduced further um, from April 2024. Mm -hmm. um, so this reduction, along with the fact that people can make fairly limited contributions into their ISA each year um, does mean that high earners will obviously welcome um, the ability to put more into their pensions, which which can grow free of tax. Charlotte, you're obviously an expert in this field um, and you support all of our advisors across Skybound when it comes to UK pensions. I think it's just a real credit to the business that we have here and the fact that it's incredibly important um, to us and anybody who is connected with the UK that you've got somebody on your side to understand this continuing ever-changing environment of UK pensions. Certainly over the last decade or so, we've seen some enormous changes made. Um, so I just, again, I just want to continue to thank you. Thank you for joining me today. Um, and hopefully our listeners today uh, have a better understanding of some of the changes that have happened in the, uh, the budget last week. Thanks for having me, Tom. No, absolutely. My pleasure. Finally, I think it's also just worth noting a couple of other bits and pieces from the budget. Um, income tax for personal allowances uh, remained at 12,570 um, and uh, they've been set until 2028. Um, and that was obviously set back in, in October. There, there's, there's, there's no change made to that in this budget. Um, and again, as a reminder for, for all of our Scottish Friends uh, uh, north of, of the border, um, in December 2022, the Scottish budget thresholds, with the exception of that for the top rate, were fixed at 125,140 were also frozen. But the Scottish higher rate and, and top rate was increased to 42 and 47% respectively. 
Um, these rates come and will come into effect for Scottish taxpayers on earned and property income from the 6th of April 2023. There was uh, some useful confirmation of the some of the changes to capital gains tax um, you mentioned it earlier um, in relation to the transfer of assets on the breakup of marriage or civil partnership, the splitting partners' wills from the 6th of April 2023 will have three years after the tax year of separation to transfer assets between themselves without a tax charge. And this will extend indefinitely where transfers are part of um, for formal arrangements. In addition, a partner who has left the family home will also be given an option to claim private residence exception um, when it is sold and a further relief may be available for shares of proceeds of the sale if they are received after the sale of a house by an ex-partner to whom it has been transferred. As always, um, thank you for joining me today. This podcast is um, ultimately for educational purposes only, and it is not a personal recommendation. If you're unsure of what's right for you, you should always seek advice, uh, especially from somebody like Carla on the topics of pensions. Um, And past performance is never a guide to the future and investments rise and fall in value. So you could get back less than what you invest. This podcast was recorded across two days on the 22nd of March 2023 and the 23rd of March 2023. And all information was correct at the time of recording.